You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. talking about The Pogues, If I Should Fall from Grace with God, as our third Christmas episode. With me, I have Paul, hey. Jamie, hi, and Romy. Hi. If I Should Fall from Grace with God is the third studio album by Anglo-Irish folk punk band The Pogues, released on January 18th, 1988 on Pogue Mahone at Warner Music Group in the UK and Europe, and Island Records in the US and Canada, produced by Steve Lillywhite. The genres are folk punk, Celtic punk, Celtic rock, and folk rock. And from All Music Review, Mark Deming. If Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash captured the Pogues on plastic in all their rough and tumble glory, If I Should Fall from Grace with God proved that they could learn the rudiments of proper record making and still come up with an album that captured all the sharp edges of their musical personality. Producer Steve Lillywhite imposed a more disciplined approach in the studio than their previous producer Elvis Costello had, but he had the good sense not to squeeze the life out of the band in the process. As a result, the Pogues sound tighter and more precise than ever, while still summoning up the glorious howling fury that made Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash so powerful and Shane McGowan continued to grow as a songwriter as his lyrics and melodies captured with brilliant detail his obsession with the finer prints of Anglo-Irish culture. Fairytale of New York, a glorious sweet and sour duet with Kirsty McCall, and the broad majestic Shannon were subtle in a way many of his previous work was not. Birmingham 6 found him addressing political issues for the first time, and with all the expected venom, and Fiesta and Turkish Song of the Jammed, Turkish Song of the Damned found him adding, respectively, faux Spanish and Middle Eastern flavors into the Pogues heady mix. And if you want to hear the Pogues blaze through some fast ones, Bottle of Smoke and the title song find them doing just what they've always done best, brilliantly mixing passion, street smarts, and musical ambition. If I Should Fall from Grace with God is the best album the Pogues would ever make. Alright, what do we think of If I Should Fall from Grace with God by the Pogues? Wait! Oh my god, man, this is amazing. I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, you know, it, I'm really sad that it took me up till uh, Shane McGowan's tragic passing for me to get into the pokes because this, this is music that I've been looking for for a while and I found it. I found it. This is cinema. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is the uh, musical equivalent of cinema. No other, no other music can compare. Like, this is what would use in one of his movies i think i was thinking scorsese yeah uh yeah fairy town new york i actually yes, got a lot of martin scorsese vibes yeah hmm. but yeah so so many good songs just an all-around blast i i had a blast i was driving in my car 
listening to the first part of the album and it was like i was in the middle of a pub <laughs> right yeah there's an irish pub like in downtown where like it's like right next door to my record store and sometimes i just go there to have lunch or dinner and i don't think i've heard a single poke song played in there and i'm like this is the music that should be played in there yeah i've heard the uh you had sent a video of john c Riley yes, singing the wild rover yeah. Oh yeah, they. they actually, I've heard that one. The Pogues actually do a cover the of the Irish, Wild Rover, the, the Irish cover, Rover. Though everybody kept yeah. singing creepier. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, uh, they they actually duetted with the the Dubliners, another uh, Celtic rock band. Well, I mean, I've been around uh, Boston so for a long time <laughs> in my life, so I've always known of this sort of thing. But this is the first time I've really dove into a Celtic rock album, and I really I'm really into the sound here. I think it's cool yeah you know it's it's weird uh we did we did thin lizzie's jailbreak and that was by like a, a celtic irish band and yet their music doesn't sound any irish except for emerald well i don't know or... if it's like uh, i'll check i mean i don't know if it's technically the same genre because i thought they're irish yeah but i don't mm -hmm. know if it's like not celtic every rock. not every I irish band is obliged to make a celtic rock song yeah exactly yeah, but apparently the Pogues want to, so, and and who are we to deny the Pogues? Exactly. Did you know that the the name the Pogues comes from the term Pogue Mahone, which I'm pretty sure comes from a James Joyce book? And uh, Pogue Mahone is like the anglicized hmm. version of like uh, the Irish way of saying kiss my ass. <laughs> so that technically so means... They're... This type They're of ass kissers. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's the opposite. <laughs> their their name is the kisses. If you want to get technical about She's it. She's at the line. <laughs> I mean, Shane McGowan was in a band previously called the, the Irish the Kiss. Nipple Erectors. It's just pogs. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting name. That is such name. a such a base name for a band. <laughs> for real, yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, the guys that was in that band with Shane McGowan was a guy named uh, Shan or Shane Bradley, and he made a little instrumental bonus song about Sh Shane Bradley that was like on the extended edition of this album. So thank you, Shane McGowan. Whenever my nipples get hard, I will think, I think of Shane Shana, Bradley. Shane. I don't think it was Shane. Was it Shan? I'm sure, it was not pronounced like that. But I could be wrong. Shanna or something like that. I could yeah. be wrong. I mean, yeah. I don't know her personally. I am barely Irish. I don't know what. Speaking of James Joyce, the alternate album cover, which was for like in the, the US and not the album cover for like everywhere else in Europe and Ireland and everywhere else. I love that album cover. It's just the members of the band just being cool with their instruments. But the US cover uh, sucks. Yeah. It's just, it's the members of the band's faces superimposed on a picture of James Joyce. And it, that this doesn't scream happy party pub music to me. This is like, this is boring. I hate this album cover with the passion of a thousand gods. It's so ugly. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's like Shane, Shane McGowan way, is also but... ugly, but it's, he's ugly in a cute way. Like, oh, it's the, it's the cute, ugly, drunk guy who's, who never leaves the bar. I appreciate that on uh, Fairy Tale of New York, at the beginning of the song, when he's talking about being in the drunk tank, he legitimately sounds really, really drunk while he's saying that. Like, he sounds like he's had a terrible day and is just, like, bitterly yeah. reflecting on his past mistakes. And... Yeah. I, I don't think in his entire life Shane McGowan has spent a day where he's not drunk. 
because according to him, I think I think this is according to him. Uh, he has been drinking ever since he was five. So yeah, do with that information what you will. Let's talk about Fairy Tale in New York and its debatability as a Christmas song. It is a Christmas song. It's a. I've heard I mean, it being described as a Christmas song for people who don't like Christmas songs. Yeah. Um. And uh, it's been debatable. I mean. I've heard people debate about whether River counts as a Christmas song because it and Fairy Tale in New York are set on Christmas, but they're more about just like broken relationships and if, stuff. If I had a nickel for a piece of media that was released in 1988 I, that is debatable as a Christmas piece of media, I'd have two nickels. I heard, baby! <laughs> I was hoping you, you'd come to that conclusion. <laughs> is bigger question. Is Mean Girls a Christmas movie? No. Has one of the I've most. Never, I have never once seen it. It discussed in the list of Christmas movies. Die Hard, it, believe it or not, is more of a Christmas movie than White Christmas. Oh, mean I, Girls. Uh, mean Girls has like one scene that's set around Christmas time. Like it's not really a Christmas movie. <laughs> it and, is one uh, of the most iconic Christmas scenes of all time, though. Is it? I mean, I guess, I guess. I if personally you... think there are like a lot of way better scenes in that movie, but you know, yeah. I mean, not that it's bad or anything. I, yeah. I like by some people's logic, any movie with a Christmas scene automatically qualifies as a Christmas movie. Uh, there's like your, you have your Mean Girlses and your Step Brotherses. Do you have your Toy Storieses? You know, I love John C. Riley. Yep, that's true. But, like, true. Step Brothers was completely insufferable for me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is a really, really, like, a lot of people disagree with this, but, you know, just could not with that movie. I mean, it was really I've never seen it, oh. so I have no opinion. I've never seen it either, but I do know a lot of people hate Adam McKay movies by, by principle. Well, I don't, I just don't, after watching that, I was like, this is the guy who keeps, like, showing up at the Oscars. Like, really? The dude who directed this? Mm -hmm. Like this sucks. Well, I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure if I am gonna be seeing Step Brothers anytime soon because I have other uses of my time, yeah. like talking about the Pokes. I mean, if I should uh... fall from grace with God. When I was first hearing the songs, it, it felt like a pub, and I thought it was a great album. And then we got to, and then we got to Christmas Eve, <laughs> and and that's and that's when I realized it was beyond a great album because that was the first song i actually knew what he was saying and the <laughs> lyrics were amazing yeah no it's and true and it made me go because i listened to the first time in a car so i didn't know what the lyrics were and so afterwards i had to go back and read the lyrics to all the other songs i'm like wow these are great <laughs> they really are like it's it's easy to get caught up in like this is just like a funny little band jam you know that you can listen to while you're getting drunk. But I think musically, this is a really great album, but also lyrically, I think that there's some really great poetic stuff on here. Uh, Fairy Tale of New York is just like a really good example. I keep bringing it up, but it's like, it's just a great example of like storytelling through uh, your songs. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, a lot of other great stuff across the album. Yeah, although um, the it was very jarring to hear the F slur. In the song, and my first listen, I was yeah. like, "I was gonna say, yeah." My first listen, I was like, "It was doing really nice with that waltz," and then I heard the word "maggot," and then I was like, "Oh, there's only like two uh -oh. words in the uh -oh. world that can rhyme with maggot." Oh no! Oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the Taylor Swift 
song all over again. Wait, does Taylor Swift say the F slur? I mean, I wouldn't be <laughs> no, surprised. No, no, no. Like, that's in character for her. She does. She does call you gay. Um, Aren't you thinking well, of Katy Perry? <laughs> am I, no. Am I? You're so the days gay when you don't gay even was like boys. considered an insult. <laughs> You're so gay and you don't even like boys. Classic. I I will note that uh, hearing the uh, the F slur in Fairy Tale of New York doesn't really bother me too much because I know that this is being sung by characters, not by the people singing it. I don't I truly don't uh, believe that yeah. Shane McGowan and Christy McCall uh, would use the F slur just because. Same as how Mark Knopfler wouldn't say it when he when he sings it on uh, Money for Nothing. Yeah. Or like um... Eminem wouldn't say. Oh wait. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, to be fair, the song was the word was used in its older meaning, which meant idiot. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, uh, I, I, I did look this up. It was Taylor Swift. She said, "Go and tell your friends that I'm obsessive and crazy. That's fine. I'll tell mine you're gay." <laughs> nice. I mean, that's. I could be way worse. I. I mean. I've always had a like fan theory that Taylor Swift secretly hates gay people, but um, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. That's just a theory, a game theory. <laughs> I guess we'll find out one of these days. Why you would know, you see, be sad, Andrew, when you can be glad? <laughs> and, uh, and lately, there have been a bunch of like right-wing idiots talking about how like Taylor Swift is like witchcraft. But it's like next week, if she came out as like homophobic, they'd be like, "Oh yes, Taylor Swift, we love you." I'm surprised <laughs> they're not already like they don't like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is music for Republicans. I'm <laughs> I can't, I shouldn't say that because she didn't even really do that much wrong. I just like. I feel like if you're a very, very, if you're a, like, normal person, then that's good music for you. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, fair, the fairy tale of New York's use of the F-slur does not bother me in the way that Matt Lloyd uses it in Bear a Pop Opera. Because both are said with malice and torment, and they're both being said by characters, not the actual people. But Matt Lloyd sucks. I hate him. Whereas the the couple in Fairy Tale of New York, I feel sad for. They had a good thing, but they've just fallen out of love. And at Christmas time, and like sorry, banger just came on. Yeah, and and uh, Shane called Kirsty a slut, so of course Kirsty had to fire back. Yeah, she, she was being defensive. Eye for an eye. Yeah, yeah. I uh, don't, I don't mind. It's kind of funny. Francisco Vasquez Garcia And welcome to Almeria And we have singers and can leche We have fiesta and fania We have the son of the Chachona We have brandy and half corona And Leonardo and his accordion And calamari and macaroni Come on you rambling boys of pleasure Fiesta, yes, oh my god. I, Fiesta, may, lyrically, it might not be the greatest song on the album, but it is definitely my favorite, and it's just so fun. I, I literally cannot stop listening to it the second I heard it. Like, oh my gosh, like, this would get the party turnt! Honestly, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think this would just... 
like a good song to drink and have fun too. I mean, there's a lot of songs like that that are really upbeat, but are just very depressing and lyrical content. But this one's just like a good vibe. Like, if I should fall from grace from with God is like upbeat, but it's pretty dour, like lyrically. But this one is just like, yeah. let's fucking party. Hell yeah. I remember I heard the live version before I heard the studio version. So I heard the live version out of before I even heard of their music. And so I was like, oh, no, this is the album I'm about to listen to. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're all just I, bad. And then I heard drunk. the studio version. I'm like, oh, this is really fun. Yeah. And then I was and then during the song I was listening and I heard uh, some of the notes to White Christmas and I got a little bit confused. But then I went back to the party. So I I was like. Wait, maybe I didn't hear White Christmas, or maybe I'm associating it with White uh, Christmas because uh, I heard the dum 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 dum. Yeah, the 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 horns are my favorite part on that track. Like, I think it's supposed to be like the the Lichtensteiner polka. They're 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 covering that a little bit in this song. Yeah, and this song feels like a polka. I've looked it up on Rate Your Music, and apparently this is, like, one of the first instances of, like, this folksy, Eastern-influenced klezmer punk that's got really big in the 2000s. So, like, we can have Fiesta to thank for that. Thank you, Fiesta. Oh, thanks. Um, thank you, Fiesta. <laughs> also, back to that line. I'm li- dreaming <laughs> of a polka, 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 polka. <laughs> I'm dreaming of polka, too. Um, I also watched that li- live video of fiesta i thought it was super fun there was so much more silly string than i thought there was gonna be my favorite part was like near the end yeah what well, like after the final chorus uh the accordionist james fairly just zooms into frame like he just slides in on like the silly string and it's just so awesome <laughs> and uh, there's just so many awesome things about the pogues and especially like shane mcgowan he's like i've heard him called like a a, a drunken poet and I mean, apart from many other poets, he he lives up to that name because, like I said, he's like drunk twenty four seven. Yeah, <laughs> I think he played in Newfoundland at one point. I I don't know. I swore I saw like a Pogues album being lumped in when it's a like ass folk festival performers at our local folk festival years ago. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, especially since they're kind of indie adjacent. Yeah. Also, the, the lyrics for Fiesta we have in Spanish, Y Costello, el rey de la América, y Santuosa, Kite O'Riordan. That is a reference to the produ- producer of their previous album, one Elvis Costello, who just released a solo album called The King of America. And Kite O'Riordan was their, oh. Kite O'Riordan was their uh, former bassist who was on that album, but she left the band to date Elvis Costello. Oh. Uh, I don't think it lasted though. Let, let me see here. Uh, it doesn't even say they got married. I think they just they just had a fling, a fling for like eight years. Right now, she uses the name Rocky O'Riordan on social media and for her Sirius XM radio show, The Rocky O'Riordan Show, and she's doing great. I'm glad she is. Another a, an, another favorite of mine is uh, Thousands Are Sailing. It closes outside one, and it is like it's just a super heartwarming and empowering song. The the accordion and mandolin duet is my favorite part. Although, uh, if I had to critique that song just a meansy weensy little bit, it would be the the lyrics: "Their bellies full and their spirits free. They'll break the chains of poverty. 
it's it sounds it, it sounds like a freaking ai generated lyric like if you typed into an ai if you typed into chat gpt write me a, a lyric about irish immigrants coming to america that's definitely something it'll spit out and i feel bad for saying that because right. shane mcgowan just died and imagine having his legacy being a bunch of 20 somethings on a podcast talking about how his lyrics sound ai generated no you say a bunch of 20 somethings and you're roping me into this i do not agree with what andrew just said i think that's a pretty good <laughs> yeah, line um, and, and, still trying to comprehend yeah, it <laughs> yeah I, I i regret that i'm sorry shane power to you yeah i think uh a lot of this stuff like when we when we get to the political aspect of it it kind of reminded me of the uh, steve mcqueen film hunger you know which is about the ira protests and you know all these activists like these irish activists uh yeah. getting put in prison and they go on a hunger strike yeah i got a little yeah. bit of a history lesson from this uh album so the birmingham six does anyone want to know about the birmingham six yeah why not you tell yeah uh, the birmingham six were six irishmen who were each sentenced to life imprisonment in 1975 following false convictions for the 1974 Birmingham pub bombings. Their convictions were declared unsafe and unsatisfactory and quashed by the Court of Appeal on March 14th, 1991, just three years after the release of this album, made that incident back into public knowledge. The six men were later awarded financial compensation, ranging from 840000 to £1.2 million. Pounds. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad they got their, their names cleared. And also, uh, I, I kind of, when I first uh, heard about this, I kind of drew like a parallel to like uh, the, the Central Park uh, Five. The the incident happened like just the year after this album. And I can definitely like see some parallels between the, the Birmingham Six and the Central Park Five. And I was like, yeah, my band should do like a song about like the Central Park Five in the same vein as the Pogues did with the Birmingham Six. And great album. Just, oh, the, I could talk about this album for for hours but i don't know if i can because i'm i just have trouble finding the right words for it this album has got me through so I much of december <laughs> i might have been able to talk more about it but i got lazy and only listened to the, the album and not the extended edition but it's the extended uh, edition I, is not required listening but yeah i noticed you'd listen to the extended edition. i have yet to listen to south australia <laughs> yay yeah. Not yet. I'll listen to it later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I noticed you was into the extended edition, Jamie. I also noticed that you skipped Sit Down by the Fire and The Broad Majestic Shannon, and those two songs are awesome. Oh no, I didn't I didn't skip them. I just didn't really have anything to say about them, so I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're great songs, so yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh Broad Majestic Shannon actually reminded me of my first dog, Shannon. She uh, passed away a few years ago, and I still miss her. And it, I love you, Shannon. That reminded me of like when uh, Casey Kasem had to play um, Shannon by Henry Gross as like a long distance dedication, but after he'd already played um, this upbeat Pointer Sister song, and he, it never aired for obvious reasons, but he just went off on the people that were that that scheduled that, and he and uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> I think I think it's floating around on YouTube. Everything's floating around on YouTube. 
these days. But yeah, sit down. Lullaby of London, which comes right before Sit Down by the Fire, is this nice, calm song about how much Shane McGowan hates London. I found it. The and video. then Sit Down by the Fire is uh, I would I would say the alternate title should be Lullaby of Ireland because this is this literally just sounds like a lullaby a drunk dad would sing to his child. Like uh, there's things outside they're gonna kill you now. Go now. Fuck off. Good night. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, uh, Lullaby of London has such a, so many wonderful lines, like, uh, may the ghosts that howled around the house at night never keep you from your sleep. May they all sleep tight down in hell tonight or wherever they may be. I just like that. <laughs> yeah. That is a great line. I mean. That's a great line. I mean, there's every, there's like almost every line is a great line, except for maybe the F-slur one. But Yeah. <laughs> that one can go to or wherever it may be <laughs> yeah so true i don't uh, know i legitimately don't really think that line was that bad yeah i don't, I don't I mean, think so either it was just it was just jarring and i could still oh no it is jarring for sure yeah, yeah i could probably still sing it if i wanted to but being a, a bi man i could get away with it maybe but do hey, i want to you're, you're 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 crossing the line there buddy you're 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 in rough waters there yeah <laughs> i would say i I just, I would not care if you said it, but I mean, what am I to say? I'm not a gay guy. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're a gay girl. <laughs> That's true. Although, I mean, I feel like I have like a backstory that says the like, you know, you know, I used to be called it. So I guess you could technically say if I were to say it, it would be reclaiming. It's all, it's all complicated. It's, it's better, usually better just not yeah. to say it. Yeah. We'll just, yeah, honestly, let's just drop I... the subject. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think of worm? <laughs> the worms are coming. The worms are coming. The worms a great, are coming. Great way to end the album. I'm not sure if I would like listening to it by itself. Uh, at least it's better than that one Muppet song called There's a New Sound. It's literally one chord and it just kind of like ups a key. Like it's just a chord that it just repeats over and over. Um, it, it wasn't like a Muppet song originally, but apparently even they couldn't improve, improve it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, some backstory for Worms. It is a traditional song that was like written in like World War One era, and it was a, it's about like soldiers dying and thinking about when they're decomposing. And it's <laughs> it's it's I don't know what to think about it. It's it's Worms. Worms. It's the sound that's made by worms. <laughs> Be merry, boy. Okay, when friends. you said that, it's kind of spooky. <laughs> it was kind of spooky in that strange off-kilter preschool song kind of way where you hear it in preschool and then you hear it as an adult and you're like <laughs> huh this is a lot darker than i remember because all my preschool yeah. buddies were singing worms <laughs> all my preschool friends nah, were, they like, were singing the pogues <laughs> yeah uh I... it actually kind of gave me a nick cave vibe whom shane mcgowan was actually friends with he was on uh, death is not the end from murder ballads so we got those connections, baby. Nice. I also want to admit when you... Oh, sorry. You go first. Sorry. I, I It was kind of my bad. I was going to say that Bottle of, uh, Bottle of Smoke was like a Celtic version of Stupid Horse. <laughs> I went 100 gecks. Of course. It, it, comes, <laughs> it always comes back to 100 gecks. In my brain, it does. Yeah. And it also always comes back to the Muppets <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah that's your thing. One of your gecks is That's what I was going to mention. When you said... The song "There's a New Sound." I, I assumed you were talking about the uh, 
uh, stop quiet. What's that sound? Everybody knows what's going no, on. It's a, they no, it's, it's, it's like, it's like yes. it's, they no, turned I it into it, an environmental song. Yeah, <laughs> but and now this is different. It's like Cootie's novelty song and uh, about worms. And uh, Scooter sings it on the show. I linked you the video. Yeah, but but yeah. Scooter. Uh, returning back to uh, Nick Cave, uh, Shane McGowan was saying on Death Is Not The End off that album, Murder Ballads, and uh, I do hope that Death Is Not The End for Shane McGowan, who who died on November uh, 30th. Um, in semi-related news, um, I think I've told you before about the Christmas number one, like, and how the UK will send anything they want onto the charts when they feel like it. So, Fairy Tale New York charts annually every year. And there was, like, a big push to have it become the Christmas number one for 2023 after Shane McGowan passed. In the end, it managed, like, fifth, I think. And uh, last Christmas by Wham finally got its due as a Christmas number one single. 39 years later. Now when can we get... Oh my god, last Christmas is 39 years old. Yes. Is that... Uh, yeah, I feel like the and, and Andrew's out here feeling like that gif of Saving Private Ryan when he rapidly <laughs> ages. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think any of us were born when that song came out. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's just. I don't if... think any of us are over thirty-nine years old. Um, no, we aren't. I didn't even like... know it existed until I was thirteen. <laughs> Same. Mentally, you are. Uh, the 80s just get farther and farther. Speak it, spoken from me, who's never now, when been can anywhere near Christmas the 80s. Rap- Christmas rapping, yeah, great song. When, when, when can we get that, that to number one? Oh my god, I want that to be number one. That's like a lesbian Christmas staple. <laughs> if we can't get it to number one this year, we'll get it to number one next year. We're going to make it our life's mission. My parents always played that. Yeah. That was literally, my parents constantly played that when it was Christmas. And we're probably going to do it again now. Because, nice. you know, Christmas, Christmas wrapping by oh, the way. Yes. I think it's it's never, like, charted on Billboard. And it also hasn't charted higher than, like, 45 in the U.S. In the U.K. That was only when it first came out in 1981. I was walking through a store and they started playing Christmas wrapping. I didn't realize how long the song actually was. <laughs> it went on for much longer than I expected. That was like a three-minute song. It was like five and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. There, it's a, there's it's, also a ver- it's the '80s. Like, there's a lot of dance songs back song then. After that, Christmas wrapping is my second favorite Christmas song behind When the River Meets the Sea. And uh, Christmas wrapping mm. also has a version featuring Kylie Minogue and Iggy Pop. Of course, Iggy. And, oh really? Like it's so funny because Iggy's involvement in the song is very minimal is it just a bunch of background screams i mean he just shows up like to deliver a few lines and he just delivers some background noises i, I could link it link <laughs> hi back for you too. i'm iggy pop bye i'm iggy pop <laughs> all right you were saying something before i cut you off uh worms is one of the one of two traditional songs on the album the other is a medley of a bunch of other songs like uh the recruiting soldier and the dublin races and, or was I think it was the Galway races, but anyway, the first half is like about about a recruiting soldier coming up to like an Irish guy saying, "Hey, you should fight in the this war right now," and then he was like, "What you you stupid Englishman? Why don't you fight your own wars? Fuck you!" And then he goes to like the horse races and has fun. Oh, huh. I wonder what that song was about. I think there's a good amount of gambling on this record. I think horse racing is like the Irish equivalent of 
I just want to grill for God's sakes. And betting. Sins don't count on Christmas. Gamble all you want. <laughs> if I should fall from grace with God. You know what they did on this record? What? I don't know if they fell from grace for God or not, but they didn't fall from grace with me. Or me. Or me. Also, uh, Tur- Turkish... I'm not, I'm not joining this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Turkish Song of the Damned. It actually has a very a very uh, interesting uh, genesis, actually. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, let's see. The title for Turkish Song of the Damned actually came first and inspired the song's storyline and the music's Middle Eastern influence rather than the other way around. Guitarist Philip Chevron told The Enemy, We were in Germany and this magazine had an article about the band The Damned. The B-side of one of their singles is called The Turkey Song but the mag called it the Turkish Song of the Damned, and it was too good a title to overlook. True. I, I kind of, I briefly thought they were talking about this other song I used to hear a little occasionally um, around this time of year. It's called the Turkey Song, I've Been Invited for Christmas, and it's basically a Muppet Light song about Turkey getting invited over and not knowing they're gonna, like, he's gonna get eaten. <laughs> so, where's the cake? We're not having cake. Oh, cake God. is a lie. Everybody <laughs> knows the cake is a lie. And then a whole Chips Ahoy cookie stares at the screen. Yeah. And then all the, the kids camera. violently cannibalize him. <laughs> also, oh, did we forget to show you that part? Well, it's not that kind of story. Did you count the months and years? Or did your teardrops quickly dry? I know for things was not to be on a cupping ship. I came here and I never even got so far that they could change my name. Also, uh, Metropolis, did anyone else get Irish James Bond vibes? I was gonna Kinda. say, I said it, it sounded like the, kind of sounded like the James Bond theme for a little while. Yeah, it had those horns. Yeah. A little. It doesn't, it's not the best use of horns on this album, though. That distinction goes to Fiesta. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And like, um, there's just so many th- good things I could say about Mountain Fiesta. And I wrote... <laughs> there's an Irish song called Mountain Dew that's on the extended version, mm-hmm. and... Th- I haven't had Mountain Dew in a while. I wrote in my oh, notes, yeah. this is definitely me. <laughs> I'd be gaming. Oh, so, like, it's an, like, so is that an old Irish song? Then it kind of foretold the gamer revolution. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do forget that Mountain Dew is just the water on the grass hmm. of a mountain. I guess. Uh, I forget that sometimes. Yeah, I forgot that too. Yeah. Also, uh, the B-side to Fiesta is Sketches of Spain, which I'm guessing they chose as the B-side because Fiesta is Spanish, and Spanish is from Spain, and Spain Sketches of Spain, yeah. Spanish is from Spain. <laughs> Put in the what quotes. <laughs> yep. Rock of Ages cringe quotes. <laughs> Spanish comes from Spain. I mean, technically, yeah, but... 
And I'm looking at the charts uh, that this album did, and it went to number 36 in Australia, number 52 in the Netherlands, number 4 in New Zealand, number 15 in Norway, number 9 in Sweden, number 9 in Switzerland, number 3 in the UK. Does anyone want to guess where it went in the US? No, uh, where? It reached number... Boston. It reached number... Nil! It didn't chart! Oh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah, as I'm just as I'm just as disappointed year. as you are. I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, USA. Yeah, um, I figure like since given all the um given all the Christmas songs that have been charting everywhere on um, Billboard, um you'd think that that one and Christmas wrapping would resurface on chart for the first time, but I guess no not. Dice. Yep. Even Americans they, just do not like niche stuff. They just don't. I'm sorry that yeah, and, th- that uh, sentence was said with too much uh, it's, too it's much malice. I'm sorry. Actually, yeah. no, Americans I'm not can sorry. Like niche stuff sometimes. Yeah, but it's 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 not yeah, normy. Even after uh, Fairy Tale in New York was featured in Dash and Lily. I don't know what that is. It's a show. Fun fact about uh, the guitarist of the band Philip Chevron. He is actually gay, and he has openly called himself, like, a, a homosexual in a heterosexual band. I, I also read he had a crush on the accordionist, James Fairley, and I saw a picture of James, and I'm like, I'm not saying I share that crush, but, like, yeah, that is a nice crush to have. Bites left. <laughs> <laughs> that is the second sexiest accordion player I've seen. If you ever Wait, make I'm the sorry. thumbnail, you should put... <laughs> Uh, the beetle next to him. My number one sexiest accordion player is One-Eyed Wally, obviously. Mine is Wally <laughs> That is a good sexy accordionist too, yeah. But yeah, um, did you know that our, our previous guy from the last episode, Joe Strummer, was in this band for a short period of time? Really? Yep. And uh, <laughs> he was brought in the band right, like, right after Shane McGowan was forced out because he was just too drunk and erratic to participate with everyone. And like Joe Strummer, he was a Pogues fanboy. He actually produced like their 1990 or 1991 album. He he just he loves the Pogues, and so this was like, this was like a dream come true for him to get to sing with one of his favorite bands. And they actually put out a live record. I listened to it. I'm not gonna say Joe Strummer's a better singer for the Pogues than Shane McGowan because like only Shane McGowan can keep up with those lyrics. But like he does a good job. He he, it's it's apparent that he really loves the band and their music and now both joe strummer and shane mcgowan are gone so and, and philip chevron he died from mm-hmm. uh, cancer in 2013 and with shane mcgowan's passing that makes two uh christmas babies dead this year yeah they're of course being jimmy buffett yeah and they're both kind of known for like so, that uh... laid-back dr- drunk attitude yeah and, uh, the Mountain Dew song kind of sounds like I think it has the same melody as the as that they might be giant song about the sun. You know, the sun is a massive incandescent gas. And I know that song. Nuclear furnace. Yeah, like it's kind of the same. It's the same melody. That's I'm assuming cool. it predates the they might be giants. Yeah, yeah by by just a couple it's, of years. It's a it's in public domain, and they yeah. can put whatever lyrics they want to it. Yeah, I also thought the fairy tale like of New York and the broad majestic Shannon sounded very alike, and I think that makes sense because like they're folk melodies. They're just gonna keep using all these uh, melodies because folk music. This is like modern folk. Yeah, and it's awesome. It'd be so sad if like they made these guys made like the modern folk album and it sucked. It would be so easy for it to suck. 
<laughs> yeah. in modern day. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I also do want to read this uh, thing from Bruce Springsteen, uh, like, after Shane McGowan's death. I don't know about the rest of us, oh. but they will be singing Shane's songs a hundred years from now. The passion and yeah, deep intensity um, of I his remember... music and lyrics is unmatched by all but the very best in the rock and roll canon. I uh, heard that um, LCD Sound System, uh, you probably don't know who they are, Jamie would know. But, um, <laughs> I've I do. Of, I've heard of them, like, I haven't like, listened LCD to them. They worked Fairy Tale in New York into like a live performance of uh, New York I Love You But You're Bringing Me Down um, after Shane McGowan past also they did the ending song from the movie white noise very nice i never saw that i like no bomb back but i've never seen that one um it's pretty cool it's well uh i think we've we've said uh, as enough as we can so i think we should uh, go around the room uh jamie you start us off all right well i said it before and i will say it again i think that this album is really well made i really like the different instruments involved god that's such that is such a nothing statement <laughs> like a, an absolute stream of complete nothingness just came out of my mouth but um yeah i i love the uh, mandolin i love the trumpets i love the percussion i love uh shane mcgowan singing i love his lyrics uh yeah I think overall this is a really awesome album. I'd give it an 8.8 out of 10. How about you, Paul? I don't know too much about Celtic music. My my knowledge is as vast as a few trips to the pub and Epcot. But I will say that this was a party. And then it has slow movements, and then it picks it right back up. And even those slow movements have some... They feel right, and the lyrics to put them all together, it it all it it's amazing. It's like I know it's gonna sound really weird, but but uh, in the airplane over the sea, I love that album because of the Celtic part. So this is basically just the best part of in the airplane over the sea. <laughs> I feel that, <laughs> and so I give this a nine out of ten. Nice. Uh, and would you recommend this to a theater kid? Because I would. Yeah, probably would. I'd. Like, I can imagine a theater party and somebody blasting Fiesta and everybody just jumping and dancing all over the place. Yeah. And Fairytale New York kind of does have that. It, it sounds like a Broadway song to me. Don't they mention Broadway in it? They do. And they also mention it in Thousands Fairytale, Are Sailing. It's kind of like a precursor to uh, We Cry Together by Kendrick Lamar. But like, you know, Irish and at Christmas and also in a completely different vibe in every way. Yeah. <laughs> So basically the same thing. Yeah. Romy? Uh, uh, 9.5. It's it's the kind of music I like love to listen, love to just blast when I'm just kind of detached from like my current situation uh, without going into too much detail. I'm not going to go into much detail either, but this album rocks. And like, there's barely any rock instruments on it. Like, I don't think there's a single electric guitar on this album. And yet it rocks so hard. And like, Shane McGowan's drunken poetic lyrics are amazing. And the music is just on point. And uh, Steve Lillywhite's production, it, it does give it a slight 80s vibe, but not enough to the point where like, yeah, this is definitely 1988 music. And also, I also forgot to mention Steve Lillywhite, the guy who also did like U2's War album. He produced that. Guess what he also produced? Oh. He produced... Uh, uh, 
Yep, Spider-Man turned off the dark. Oh. <laughs> and imagine if he was oh imagine if he was behind the board for that and he was thinking to myself, God, I produced if I should fall from grace with God. What am I doing here? And you're here because you owe Bono a favor. <laughs> yeah. That was a really easy joke to make about falling, and I'm not going to make it. <laughs> my back. <laughs> but yeah, the title track. Turkish Song of the Damned, Bottle of Spoke, Fairy Tale of New York, Metropolis, Houses Are Sailing, Fiesta, The Medley. I'm just going to list the entire track listing. Uh, Streets of Sorrow in Birmingham 6, Lullaby of London, Sit Down by the Fire, The Broad Majestic Shannon, and to a lesser extent, Worms. All of this album just hits. I will admit, the latter half, just it falls a bit flat, but only slightly. Very slightly. Because I could still listen to it and be like, oh my gosh, I love, I, I love this album from start to finish. So I'm giving this a 9.25. I would recommend it to a theater kid. And this is definitely my favorite Christmas album. Even though I haven't there's... <laughs> listened to enough Christmas albums, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I can always. I, uh, I can Denver link you the. the yet. Yeah, the John Denver Muppets. I'll link you that one. It's a. That's a good one. That's an actual Christmas album, and it's and it's. I good. already have it up. Nice. When when she mentioned uh, when yes. one of you mentioned Blessed. when the river meets the sea, I looked it up. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to it after the podcast. Let's let's go. I should probably listen to my yeah. copy tomorrow too. It's it's the clear green vinyl. Um, I have an original pressing, and I got it at the record fair. Sweet, sweet. All right, uh, time to spin the wheel. Wheel, wheel, And if we land on a concept album or a rock opera, we have to do a musical for episode 149, which is also going to be the first episode of the year, which means this next episode is going to be our last episode of the year. Can you believe it? Yo, where is the year gone? I don't... It better not be mid. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good news. I don't think it's going to be mid, hopefully. Oh, good. And the next album we'll be looking at... And our final album and episode of the year is Turnstiles by Billy Joel. Yes! I love Billy. <laughs> All right. Let's go! All right. Thank you for listening. I can't wait. Thank you for listening. Wait. Thank you for listening to the episode. Or as Shane McGowan would say, Let's good night, good rest, now fuck off to bed. <laughs> so happy Christmas. I love you, baby. I can see a better time When all our dreams come true You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You were handsome You were pretty queen of New York City When, when the band finished, finished playing They held out for more Sinatra was swinging All the jokes they were singing We kissed on the corner Then danced through the night